What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Thanks. When I record off-grid or something when I don't have power. When you're out in the field. Yeah, which I don't do very often. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. Be, I need to do more podcasts. I love it. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, then I just then then we have to pull it off like this so that we can hear. Yeah. Just see, and that see that would be way too distracting. Which is why I it always ram lapel mics. Yeah. Right, and then uh, there's a podcaster out of California. He's actually originally from Montana. His name is Lucas Paw. He does rod. I know Luke. I met Lucas at the sheep show. I had, yeah. I, I think I met him before sometime. We well, we were all where. talking at SEI, I think. Really? And Reno. Me, yeah, yeah. you, Lucas, and Justin Schaefer and another and fella. Brandon was, or, uh, Brandon was there. Yeah, probably. And uh, anyway, so I went and did a podcast with Lucas at his house. And he had it set up like this. And I was like. That's way better than just the lapel mic. But I've always made fun of people. Like when you go to Western Hunt Expo or... Which I quit going to, by the way. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't... <laughs> I, 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 uh-huh. So what I love about Western Hunt Expo is the time that I get to spend with um, Brian and Nikolai from Dead Eye Outfitters. Yeah, yeah, I like those I mean, guys. Those are, those are two of my favorite people on the planet. And we actually... You know, we get to see each other throughout the year, but that is actually like five days nonstop, us just gotcha. being kids. <laughs> and I'm unfortunately, not unfortunately, I'm the I'm the sober babysitter. So yeah, yeah, I, I've had the I've had the benefit of being the foursome in front of them on the golf course before. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's it's a unique experience. Uh-huh. Everyone should experience that. Did you go to the golf tournament last year or no? I didn't. They he, he gave me a heads up early on. He's like, Hey, we're doing this, would you and so I tried to set those dates aside and then it just didn't it just didn't line out. I yeah. wasn't able to do it. But I would like to. I'd like to participate in something like that. It was gonna be a really amazing event this year. Um and well, I think they pushed it back now to August 15th. That doesn't work because Nevada Archery starts ne- on well, the 9th or 10th. Or Nevada Archery starts yeah. on the 9th or the 10th. California starts on the 15th. Yeah. And then everywhere else in Western hunting archery starts September right around 1st, in there. Yeah. Then you also have anybody who's going on their big hunts up north, if up north is even going to be open this year or not. Um, sounds like Alaska might be. Sounds like there's going to be quarantine issues with Canada. So Justin, he just Justin Schaefer, he just guided a buddy of his. He went into a 14-day quarantine to get there. To get there, yeah. After there, and then they went and did the hunt. Yeah, and I'm like, that's ah, a little more dedicated than I am. Right, but didn't yeah. he have to do a 14-day quarantine coming out? No, or he didn't. No, I don't oh, think so. Okay, I, I, he didn't say. I, I was talking because that'd to be 28 him. days, man. That's a nightmare. Yeah, I was talking to Justin in the airplane hangar after the 14 days and they were just heading out to go on the bear hunt uh-huh. and that's what he was saying so i didn't hear after if he had to quarantine after i don't think so because yeah. nowhere down here in the states requires a quarantine do they not that i know of my wife's going to impose a quarantine on me when i get back from alaska she's really? like you can come home and go do whatever you want for three days don't come and see me yeah you know? I'm like, and oh, you're really? leaving in two weeks the yeah it's 
what, two and a half weeks, three weeks, 17th. Mm -hmm. Let me know if you need another guy. I'll totally go. Gosh, I know. <laughs> well, it's just me and Eric, you know, just like our sheep hunt. It's just yeah. he and I going, and we're just going to go balls out. and That sounds like so much fun, man. You know, um, until, like, leading up to the sheep hunt, it was just dreaming about it and not knowing what to expect. And then, then we went and did it. Mm -hmm. That's that's my most favorite thing in the, the way to hunt in the world, you yeah. know, it's just load your pack and go and you're staying in a different place every night yeah no determined location where you want to be or how you want to do it mm -hmm. and uh you know if we don't see any grizz we don't see any grizz but we're hopefully see a bunch of sheep and take some pictures and yeah that sounds getting those shape. are like dude those are <laughs> using the hunt to get you in shape. it wasn't my plan originally <laughs> but with the gyms being closed and with me being lazy you know it just how hard is it out. to like have any sort of motivation to kind of do anything fitness related right now i have a ton of motivation every day i have a ton of motivation when right you around, wake up right around my waist it's yeah. like right here yeah but i have a seven-year-old that is an early riser uh-huh and that little girl has got me wrapped around her finger. She, Daddy, will you make me breakfast? And Hashtag so girl, Dad. I cannot, I can't get out of the house. And then by, you know, now that it's getting warmer, by the time I get done with breakfast for her and then my other kids start crawling out of bed and I just, I'm just enjoying it. And I'm like, I, I, I can't go, you know, I just can't, I just can't <laughs> bring myself to go. I did go on a hike this morning. Mm -hmm. I've been going about twice a week. Pretty good hikes, but not what I normally would do. Yeah. I'm glad you came out to join me on the western slope of the Sierras. Tell you what, this is <laughs> some a beautiful country, isn't it? Nice little gem you got here. Yeah, it's a little pocket, little little handy hole with no cell phone service or electricity. Yeah, so if I'm out here and I pitch a tent in your yard sometime, you know, and somebody comes up and asks, "What am I doing?" I'll just be like, oh, "I'm just a friend of Andy's." I'm yeah, just, just say I'm here with the Mokels. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're good. Are, does, it, does it get used very often out here? Or your family and that come out very um, often or no? Yeah, my parents do. My parents are both retired, so mm. uh, they actually were just up here. They went home two days ago. Gotcha. Um, so they left the they left the cooler full for you. Yeah, which was kind of convenient. Nice. With the the problem that was uh, the issue was, I went shopping at Safeway. I bought all my groceries, and then my mom decided to call me and tell me about all of the food that she left up here mm. for their next trip that, you know, obviously was totally okay if I ate it. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. I love it that no, you left food and I could eat it, but I already bought all my groceries. <laughs> no so now it's freeze? No, there's no, no. And is, there, is there power at all? I think I asked there's you that. A propane, there's a propane fridge in there. Gotcha. Um, and uh, that works. It works well. For a while. But, but the ice box in it is. Yeah. Not, not that big, big enough for a deer leg? No. Not big enough for a flip-flop deer leg? No. So we actually, we'll do dueling. We used to do parties up here, um, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 people. And uh, we do dueling barbecues with a table in between. And uh, just. This is a sweet little spot. Plus, you got all the parking you need right there, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell people where it's at. It's okay. It's a prime People location. don't need to know. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to know. Yeah, now, now uh, you know, when Mama gets serious and kicks my ass out of the house for an extended period of time, I might I might have a place that I'll just come and, and hunker down. Yeah, you're more than welcome, man. <laughs> no, I generally go the other direction to the desert, but this is kind of nice in the, in the timber. It's some new, uh, new kind of hunting country. Do you do a lot of still hunting or do you mostly spot uh, stock? Yeah, I mean, when I'm walking, I'm hunting, I guess, you know. You're yeah. looking, and most of, I guess, 
you know, elk hunting is a lot of still hunting where you're yeah. cruising around and calling or whatever. And most of the deer hunting that I'm doing is wide open country. So it's desert. You're still covering a lot of country, mm-hmm. but um, I wouldn't call it still hunting. No. Yeah, this, I mean, no. I'm glassing every 30 yards. Glass, glass, glass. A lot of people don't use the term still hunting. A lot of people think that still hunting is in a stand, which isn't facts. When I was, that's that's what it was growing up. It was all about still hunting. You Mm -hmm. know, I remember some of the old videos that I used to watch, my brothers and I. We're like, we gotta wear moccasins. We gotta be quiet. We gotta have fleece. I have a couple so pairs. That, you know, it's like let's let's line our pants with fleece so our thighs don't rub together. Were you guys stitching your own? Oh yeah, stuff? yeah. no way. Yeah, even after I was married, gosh, I haven't. I don't think I've ever told this on a story on a podcast or anything. But even after I got married, my wife can attest to it. I went to Millen Fabrics there in Reno, and I found some wool camouflage. Mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah! And I sewed myself a shirt. And some pants. Well, shorts. They were shorts. And I wore that hunting. Yeah. You know, in fact, um, there is a video out there in two, that I filmed a whitetail hunt in 2004, and I'm wearing that top that I sewed. Really? Top. Yep. Wow. 2004. That's not very long ago. I mean, it's kind of a long time, though. It's like 16 years. And now I got all these big band sponsors. <laughs> I don't have to do that stuff no way. So. <laughs> Mosquitoes are brutal. But, but I also... Um, in 2004 was when I upgraded my bow from my childhood bow. Uh-huh. So my first bow was a Polaris, PSE Polaris. And I got that. When would I have gotten that? That would have been 89 or 90. Wow. And I had that until 2004. Really? Now I got all these big paying sponsors and I got all this crazy <laughs> It's just weird to think about. Like, that's not very long ago. It's crazy. You know, my first bow that I ever killed a buck with up here, my first bow that I ever got to hunt with was a 1989 Warthog compound with the big plastic sight and the three pins really? where you had to like adjust everything totally awkward. Mm-hmm. And I didn't kill, I think I killed my first buck with that in 2008 or something. Oh, that's awesome. 2009. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so my first sight was a wire sight. So really? it had a it had a, a vertical and then it had like I think four or five horizontal and they were wires, so you had the you literally had the with the ball tip or no no oh, it really? was a literal wire strung from top to bottom center of the site it was a it was a rectangle site so picture a rectangle vertically you know a tall rectangle there was a vertical thin wire through the middle and then there was cross wires across really? all the way across it so there were crosshairs, and I shot that when I first bought got the bow when I was thirteen. And I didn't, I didn't like it because I couldn't see it probably, you know, you get a, a dark background. And so, <laughs> and then I watched a video. I can't even remember that my, my little brother Boyd, he could, he could name the video. We watched this video of instinctive shooting all on instinctive shooting with compounds and fingers. Three so fingers, like, dude. Yeah. I'm like, I can do that. So I just yanked that side off there and started shooting instinctive and man, I was, I was nailing. I was good. So I just, until, until I was, you know, until 2004, you know that compound bow probably 44 inch axle to axle or whatever it was <laughs> and um three fingers no sights all instinctive really yeah Didn't how hard was that for you to learn because i i shot a instinctive for i mean my youth but i never hunted instinctive yeah i don't think you had to learn it it just was natural and as long as i was walking out to do chores and we had this thing where we had a 
carpet cutout of a deer on the haystack right next to the manure pile. And um, that way, if you skipped off the haystack and it'd bury into the manure pile, you wouldn't lose your arrow. You could still go find it. But Aluminum shafts. Yeah. 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 Easton 2213s, you know, I mean, had it all Monsters, five-inch veins and whatever it was. And, and we'd walk out, grab our bows, fling a couple arrows, drill that deer at 60 yards, and then go do chores and come back. And it was all just, we shot so much that the instinctive was just natural. But do you think I could hit an, an elk at 13 yards out in the wild? Hell no. <laughs> I remember Brett Gamut and I, we both emptied our quivers at these two young bull elk one night. And it's just like, my gosh, I need to put sights on this dang thing. But, you know, it was fun. It was just the way it was. So, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Tim Burnett, and uh, I live in Reno, Nevada. And I do sometimes I do some hunting videos, and sometimes I do whatever i don't know i asked you what you did and you're like i don't even know i don't even know what i do and i and i chuckled because that's the exact same answer it. i give this to people they're like well what do you do for a living and i'm like i don't even know anymore mm -hmm. i just don't know you know so. grind man grind yeah that's we're it. grinders dude right yeah so i met andy a few years ago at a kuyu event i think was the first time i met you it was a it was a mountain academy that was our first time we met in person yeah yeah and you, we had messaged somewhere, Facebook or Instagram, before that. Yeah, talking about A-zone deer hunting and pig hunting. Pig hunting. And I think my response to you was, or I asked you a question, um, have you killed any pigs this year or something? Right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're <laughs> no, like, not yet. No, they're pretty tough. They're thinking that. And I think I replied, I said, until you've killed some pigs, <laughs> I'm not coming, I think is what I said. or something. Wrong. I'll have to go back and look at the string. I was like... I was it's like, it's still in has, there, too. If, if they're not killing any hogs, I'm not yeah. going to go waste my time. Yeah, because I was saying I was saying for you and your son to come out. Yeah. 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 So I hope you weren't offended when I no, took up not Charles' invitation. When... Not at all. <laughs> Charles has way better property than yeah, yeah. what I've got up in Cloverdale. Cloverdale is, uh, it used to be, there used to be, in my opinion, a lot more pigs. Um, they've done some serious trapping and I think probably some serious poisoning, poisoning probably. along with cat population. Um, I know on the property that I managed, there's, there has been three different cats mm. through it for the last few years. Which means there's 10. If you're seeing three. There's probably 10. That's insanity. Yeah. You know, and, uh. So the pig population's kind of disappeared. Down where Charles is at, they've got barley fields. It's a little bit yeah. more managed appropriately as to where I'm at. They just want them gone. Yeah. Kill every single pig you see. Which, you know, if, if, if I'm a rancher or if I'm a, a farmer, that's that might be the mentality I have. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard to know. But surprisingly is that they're not ranchers or farmers. They're just um, very wealthy individuals mm -hmm. that have... A pretty nice piece of property and they really like their garden and their grass yeah and that's you know that's and pigs are not the cute cuddly pigs are not no. the cute cuddly cats yeah. no bobcat hunting no coyote hunting no deer hunting only kill pigs yeah i wonder if pigs fall I, I in fact i don't even wonder they do they fall into that category um that's known as the no no soul category <laughs> kind of like with fish and turkeys yeah pigs have no soul so it seems like and you can see it it seems like there's no holding back on how to shoot or kill or hunt a pig just yeah. like turkeys and right fish right so 
That was, yeah, I mean, that was when we started talking was, that was a few years back. Yeah, we'll have to look at those dates because I'm terrible with, with details like that. But, you know, so we could have been corresponding for four or five years. Yeah, quite a while. Knows. But then, you know, some of the Kuyu Academy events, we've, we've run into cross paths. Mm-hmm. And, and then so, with Ryan Olson as well. Ryan's a good dude. Yeah, Ryan's I really a like that guy. solid guy, man. Fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, and I've been putting you off for quite a while. And then, yeah. Yeah, but I never felt like it it was being put off. It's just, I hope not. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was, by the way. That's okay. I hope not. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So the the funny thing is, is, is I'm insanely busy all the time. I'm constantly always busy. Things are always changing. And I would almost say, and especially, with where you're at in your career and have been at as well as being a husband and a father that adds such a larger level of complexity to your scheduling and things that you can do that it changes the game yeah i have to do everything between nine and five because then it's work right yeah if it's before nine or after five then i'm cutting into mom's time yeah totally and and i'm very much an in-person podcast you know interview type type of guy I, i can't do over the phone I've started Zoom the last two months out of necessity. For Zoom? Well, yeah. Zoom is actually... I just do it over uh, Skype. Oh, really? Or cell phone. I, I figured yeah. I finally, you know, I'm, I'm a little slow with technology. I finally figured out how to do all that kind of thing. In fact, you just showed me something today. Oh, yeah. That I'm like, really? You can do that? Yeah. It so, works well, too. So I've done a few lately over the phone mm-hmm. and over Skype. So, But I, I'm like you. I prefer face-to-face. There's just nothing like it. The interaction is yeah. just the same. No different. Or no comparison especially when you can have a view like that um <laughs> which nobody else can see but we could talk about how great it is and make it, it is good the drive in here is good too yeah beautiful drive man beautiful <coughs> drive wow <coughs> spreading the rona that's all right that's all right i probably already had it yeah so um i'm glad you reached out again and kept following up thank you for for doing the follow-up i've mentioned to a lot of people um kind of recently actually that i appreciate their follow-up and and persistence because that's something i don't have you know and and it's (laughs) if they did if they wouldn't have followed up then we wouldn't have had those experiences so i'm glad that you did yeah looking forward to to doing it absolutely so where are you originally from more idaho grew up in the middle of nowhere uh in fact if you took the state of idaho which it's and drew an x through the middle of it which isn't very easy to do because it's a weird shape like, or you said you took a measurement of the farthest distance away from the most populated portions of Idaho. Mm-hmm. More Idaho would be kind of like right in the middle. Okay. Of all so that. like in between like Quarter Lane and and and. Uh, well, so now, now, now you throw something? in Northern Idaho. That's that's a whole different. Oh, okay. Kind of, that's a whole different state. So we're talking about the beef of the state. Yeah, Northern Idaho is awesome. I I love it. I love the Palouse up there and everything. But if you kind of chopped off the top handle. And you go, well, we'll start with Boise. You go three hours west of Boise, east of Boise, excuse me, and backwards, east, northeast. Eh, or you take Twin Falls, you go two hours north of Twin Falls, or you take Idaho Falls, hour and a half west of Idaho Falls, Salmon, hour and a half south of Salmon. Like, it's just right there, okay. right, in the middle of, right in the middle of the mountains. I mean, we're, Mount Bora is the tallest mountain in Idaho in the, the Lost River Range. Do they call it the Lost River? Yeah, the big Lost River Range. And we're about 30 miles from Mount Mora, right mm-hmm. in that middle of that country. And so did you grow up hunting? 
Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds like it if you had a, a hay bale with a <laughs> carpet cut out of a deer, but. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm, you know, um, and, and when I say farm, it's a, it's a farm. We had every animal known to man, and, like, we went through everything. And so we were always around animals, and then hunting was, was kind of a strange thing because my dad wasn't a hunter. My, my mom grew up hunting, and my grandpa was a hunter, and my uncles and cousins. And, um, but luckily, you know, between school friends and, and other people, we got introduced to hunting right at the right age, that 10, 11, 12-year mark, and, and just kind of went from there. So, yeah, I, I would say I grew up hunting from the very beginning. Okay. Always. What what was that like? So I know for me growing up in California, it's obviously way different than I'm sure growing up in rural Idaho. Yeah. Um, but is that, yeah, that's kind of the norm up there. Everybody's doing it. Your buddies, all your friends. Every, if I looked at every deer and elk that I killed, you know, from the time I started till I went away to college and even after college and all that, probably within... If not within 10 miles of the house with wow. 20, you know, really, with almost no little exception, <laughs> you know, and, and there could have been times when I was out changing pipe and maybe shot a deer, you know, out in the backyard or whatever else. Like there was just, we lived in it. That mm -hmm. was just where it was. You didn't have to go very far or work very hard to be in some, some good hunting. That's cool, man. And even to this day, it's some of the best hunting in the, in the. In, in all of my experiences, yeah. you know, still. That's awesome. So, growing up in Idaho, did you... No. Was it ever your dream to be as immersed into the hunting culture as you've become? It always was. It was? Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of like yeah, out-of-the-gate goal. Yeah, and I, I've, I've mentioned this story before, and, you know, and... and uh, but not everybody catches every podcast, right? Or not yeah. everybody catches every video or every interview. And and <clears throat> when we were introduced to hunting, the guy that introduced us to bow, bow hunting specifically, he had a VHS library of hunting videos and magazines and everything you could imagine. And my brothers and I, we just annihilated that video library. We watched through everything. Larry D. Jones, Wayne Carlton, Ben Pearson, you know, some old Fred Bear stuff. Dwight Shue, like, I mean, the old, the good stuff, the, all the original stuff. And, and as a kid, 12, 13 years old, I was like, when I grow up, I would love to make hunting videos. I want to make hunting videos. And as a kid, you're not thinking I want to do it for a living. You're just thinking I want to make it because you don't really understand what a living is. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that people pay you money to do things. You right. Know, or you have to work to get money. <laughs> So that was always on the mind, but then as you grow up and you mature and you, you know, you have, uh, you know, as I had experiences with, with businesses and business owners or with people with jobs and you get to know other people and you start to learn how everything works, then it was like, I really, really want to do this, but the reality of it is it's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, at that time it was rare that anybody was making any money in the hunting industry unless they made deer calls or sold camouflage, you know, yeah. or, or worked for a company. Um, so by the time I got out of, out of high school, it was kind of always in the back of my mind that I, I would like to do this, but I really don't know how. So I bought a video camera, started filming things. And then over time, it just, you know, you, you I had jobs and was, was doing certain things. And, you know, it wasn't until I met the right people and had the right experiences that I was actually able to kind of start 
looking into it more. And then, you know, then if you're inquisitive, and I, I was, I just started to learn everything that I could with those connections, you know, those people and those experiences that I had and came to the conclusion after, and I guess to, to hold, to preface this whole thing, you know, I had had a really, really good experience working at the carpet store, good experience with the owner there of really educating me, Mm -hmm. of really driving home what entrepreneurship was, what business ownership was, what marketing is, you know, value added selling, all these extremely valuable assets that you, you don't learn in college from a business mentor, you know, a very, very successful person, Ken Burnt, I'll, I'll name him, you know, and I worked with his son, Treg, and it was just invaluable training for something more. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, prior to leaving the carpet store, I offered to buy it. I was like, you know, I'm so immersed into the management and, um, and wanting to run my own business. I want to buy something like this or run, do something like this. And opportunities just didn't happen. So I had that, I had that mentality and training already, real life training. Like, I mean, it was real deal. Yes. And, um, lived off of commissions. Like, so I knew, I knew how to do this type of, this type of work mm-hmm. in a different industry. Yeah. So then and it's as a fairly came, trans- I was trans- natural. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, and it's, it's a relatively transferable skill. Mm-hmm. You know, once you have the groundwork, what you're saying, you know, to roll it over and then learn and understand how to apply it. You know, I feel like that is pretty, uh, yeah, the nature of capitalism and business and entrepreneurship is it's universal. It just it's just what industry or what space or what niche or what I like to be in is what niche of a niche of a niche of a niche <laughs> can you capitalize on, you know? And that was just where my interest lied. So you could say I had just as much interest and passion in the self-employed business, you know, entrepreneur side of it than I did the hunting side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately it went hand in hand and it's it's kind of worked out so far. That's awesome. And you've, you know, you started in 2004 with yeah. Solo Hunter with the brand or no, in was 04, that not until later? Yeah. Solo Hunter came later. So in 04, I partnered with Jeff Danker of Buck Ventures Outdoors mm-hmm. um, and he's still around. He's still, still successful. Um, partnered with those guys. My wife and I moved to Oklahoma when my son was a year old. Yeah. We sold, I sold my house and just sold everything. Lock, stock and barrel just and went which was a really, really stupid way to do it. Um, <laughs> moved to Oklahoma. And now where was your house that you sold? In Reno. Okay. I had built a home in Reno. So when we moved from Idaho, after my wife and I got married, um, I bought a, I, I owned a little tiny house there in Idaho. Uh, so when I got married, I was a little bit older. When I say older. I was 26, so I was already pretty established with, with work and a career and had bought a home and was renting it out to college girls and trying not to date any of the girls that lived there. And... and then we lived in that house and I sold it and bought a lot, a building lot in Reno back, when was that, 2002, mm-hmm. you know, three? So I saw it on the, I saw it, I think it was on a web listing or something. Had my in-laws go look at it and they're like, eh, it's pretty steep. I don't know if you can build on there. <laughs> and I was like, well, how steep? And so they showed me some pictures. I was like, yeah, I got that. I got it. So I bought the, bought the lot, you know, and uh, then sold, we sold our house and that paid for the lot. Um, and then I spent the next two years building a home on it. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. <laughs> it was yeah. hard to build on, but it was a big, beautiful home. And or I say big, it was a beautiful home. And, uh, you know, put my whole heart and soul and I did everything. My friends, Aaron Larson and Seth Larson came and helped me frame it. And I did everything except for the concrete and the uh, sheetrock and, and taping. 
mm-hmm. everything else I did electrical plumbing everything um and so it was well I didn't do this I didn't do the uh stucco either I guess but so it was a labor of love had a lot of a lot of sweat equity in that home and then that's what enabled us when we sold that home to to move to Oklahoma and kind of kick off and so when you were moving to Oklahoma you weren't full-time in the hunting industry yet oh yeah oh I, you were I didn't have a job you didn't I have haven't a had a job since 2004 okay yep. so you were going from having a Fine, job I guess yeah from having a job to not having a job yeah. And what was your I wife's? had a job. I just wasn't being paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was her, like, how How was that for you guys in the start of it? You know, she, we were still freshly married. She was still she was still just in love with all of this that I am. Yeah. You know? She was just, like, just happy to be there. So, no, in fact, after, after about, um, you know, we moved out there in June. And by September, I was like, yeah, I screwed up. I was like, I, I maybe should have thought through this through a little bit, you know, but I was, I was an aggressive, I mean, I've always been a little aggressive. I was like, I was ready for it. I wanted to do it and, um, didn't have anything to lose except mm-hmm. for my wife, you know, I can't. Yeah. And I almost did, you know, and so we worked, we worked through it and, and, you know, our partnership with, with, uh, Buck Ventures, uh, f- f- fizzled. And, you know, we moved on. We moved back to Idaho after a year. And, and, um, you know, at that point I had seen enough and learned enough about the production. Like I was in the production studio quite a bit with Bud Wasser was the producer Mm -hmm. and Jeff and I were in the studio and, you know, I learned a lot of of things and, and how they did it. I had good interactions with Sportsman Channel at that time and learned how they worked and how ad buys worked and sponsorships and, you know, just immersed myself into that. And, and when I, when I left, that partnership and and looked at it i was like you know what i can do this on my own um it just has to be the right way and i was like if i'm gonna do it on my own i want to film my own hunts nobody's doing the solo thing really there were some guys filming solo hunts and doing it tom miranda was doing a few and dave watson was doing a few here and there and other guys were i'm sure i just hadn't seen it um in fact, I think Dwight Chu and, and uh, Larry Jones were filming a lot of their own stuff mm-hmm. for a while. And then there was another, gosh, another uh, guy that was just filming elk videos, Gronko, Gronko Films or something. He was just filming stuff. And then I was a huge fan of, of Marty Stoffer, you know, and how he did it and how he would narrate through the animals and bring wildlife to life, you know, as characters, which I look back at it now as a, as an extreme libertarian and looking at it, ah, it's just bringing, it's just, it's just personalizing animals. Right. <laughs> so, no. So I had this, I had this in my mind of how I f- felt like I could do it. And then I had the business experience and background to put it together. And so I said, you know, if I ever have an opportunity, I want to do some solo stuff. And then, uh, in Western hunting, Western instead hunting, of yeah. instead of instead of just straight whitetail yeah at that time when i started it was like the whitetail shows were the successful ones and they had been that's for the quite some was. time i think yeah yeah that's where the majority of the brands were focused that was where the sponsorship and advertising dollars were and that's what i was being told was where it was at and it turns out that i you know i that was bad advice i i think i think at that time that's when things were shifting to more western more cinematic more big country Mm -hmm. if you look at um and this is fast forwarding there's there's a big gap in between but if you look at when heartland bow hunter came out when solo hunter came out when meteor came out when all these shows that kind of and we're talking tv shows because social media didn't exist so when all these shows that uh you know jim shockey's 
the professionals you know di- these different shows that were cinematic um that came out it was all in that same type of time frame we all re- we all released like within a couple of years of each other and just started doing things outside of the whitetail world and you know it was really if you you look at heartland they, you know those guys jeff or jeff simpson originally they kind of woke people up to the fact that this can be a lot more beautiful experience than what what it has been yeah you know? So that's 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 where it went. Well, and how so. captivating are the mountains? Uh, it's, it's it's a canvas that is just it's a free canvas. Yeah. I shouldn't say free, but it's like you can't touch it. You know, in the Alaska and Canada and New Zealand and all this, you just can't touch it. Yeah, I have yet to go to to New Zealand or Alaska, but being in BC, you know, and and then as well with uh, Montana and and some of Utah's territories. Mm-hmm. Oh, right here, right yeah. here where we're sitting. Um, yeah. you, can't, you can't yeah. touch it. You can't. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's unreal. So that's you know, that's and that's I'm a Western guy. That's where the passion was, and that's where it evolved. So and then when we moved back to Idaho in Boise, I met Steve Alderman, Lowland Muleys. He hired me to produce a video for him, um, and I was producing a lot of DVDs because I learned how to edit and I learned the production process from from my that experience and so i started producing dvds i did some for steve i did some coyote hunting videos uh varmint control officer i did you know (laughs) getting stoked i did his videos i did busting tail like i did all these hunting dvds Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm making 2500 bucks of a dvd or whatever i was making to produce these suckers which is totally a waste of time now but that gave me the editing experience and also steve and i we kind of we got along great and he had a ton of good footage from his, his DVDs. And so, and I had a TV experience. So I said, let's package a TV show together. And then I got, got together with like Zach Bohey. He was a, my little brother's good friend from high Zach school. Zach is the nicest guy. I've had a good couple kid. phone conversations with him, man. Yeah. And yeah. What is his Instagram hunt DIY? Hunt DIY yeah. God, he's such a he, nice guy, man. He could build a good brand off that. He really could. Yeah. I've always believed that. Yeah. But, um, Fred Waymeyer, uh, Brian Solon, Joe Boyer, who else? Nate Harker. There's a lot of guys that, that we got involved with for, um, for a show that, that we called Behind the Rack. And we aired that in the Boise area. And it was on the Fox channel. And we did that, I think, for two years, Behind the Rack. And uh, I still remember, I still have the, the show intro with my son at the time. I think he was two or three. He's like, Behind the Rack starts now. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like... So we did that, and that gave me production experience and working with sponsors in the network, and and then. Uh, so for you during that time, were you guys filming like insane amounts of B-roll, or was that not a thing? You know, I think. And I'm gonna ask because, like, I know like a lot of people do a lot of B-roll, and then some people just don't do any B-roll at all. And I think in the beginning. 99% of it was B-roll yeah. as to where now 99% of it's organic and maybe yeah. 1%, maybe it's less, more so, than that. But. So when I was with Buck Ventures, yeah, it was B-roll and cutaways and reenactments. Mm-hmm. It was like, that's the way it was done. That's the way hunting shows were made, right? That's what I was taught. That's yeah. how it was done. I hated it. It was just, or interviews, live spine interviews where you're sitting at the fireplace and talking about, you know, talking about the hunt. I hated it. Like, it was just horrible. Yeah. So when we did Behind the Rack, all of the footage that all these guys were providing us and that we had, it was just footage. It was just filmed hunts. It wasn't produced hunts. It was filmed hunts. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how I learned how to put together I what I think is is some of the best stories out there is because I was I I found the story. I could look at the footage, find the story and package it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't creating a story. I wasn't building a story. I wasn't yeah. filming a story. It was just and so that's from that point on there was no b-roll there was well b-roll is different b-roll is just footage it's just filler footage mm-hmm. there was no reenactments there was no cutaways you know that's what like, i yeah i mean yeah. when i when i think predominantly of b-roll i think of like reenactments and yeah. crawling through the bush again and yeah yeah so cutaways now are a little tricky because we use point of view cameras you know whether it's tax camera gopro or whatever it is and so that's a cutaway you're cutting away to a different footage but our cutaways, the footage is filmed at the same time, so it really fits well. Like, mm-hmm. and Remy's really good at it, I'm really good at it, and it's like, so that's what I kind of attribute a lot of the success to, to our videos are, is because we have to find, I, I learned to find the story. And to tell. And if there wasn't a very good story there, so be it. That's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. So. I always find that so interesting, too. Um, I have limited experience compared to you with with filming hunts but i've always it's one thing that i've enjoyed about more hunting films these days is that you can find the story that tells itself you know and uh really be able to immerse yourself into the story because it's it's more organic Every hunt's different, right? Mm-hmm. Every animal acts the way he's going to act that day yeah. just because he's in that mood, you know. I act the way that I did that day because I was in that mood. Like, <laughs> you, I, I, you know, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, the appetite that, that brands have for high-end, highly produced content just blows me away. I, I don't get it, mm-hmm. you know. And the budgets they'll throw at it. The budgets they'll throw at it. And I look at it and I say, that, you know, the most massive, popular social platforms in the world are random ass content un relatively unproduced rough cut you know instagram youtube you name it tiktok whatever it is it's just random and yet these brands still pump millions of dollars into highly produced content and I'm like, prolific footage prolific footage yeah. and i'm like okay if it just doesn't make sense to me Mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. If I was a major brand, I would latch on to guys like me so fast it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, that's where that's where content is. That's where the eyeballs are. But, you know, the, the, the philosophy has been they look at it and they say, well, that's, that's the, uh, you know, those aren't the affluent buyers. Those are the smaller level buyers. And I'm like, you know, my last two months experience of selling you know, bows and stuff. It's like th- there's buyers all across the board, mm-hmm. guys that have, you know. From the top to the bottom. Top to the bottom. And they're willing to, sp- guys are willing to spend money on good gear. They just and need to know it's good gear. At the end of the day, too, that's really what it comes down to, I think, when it comes to people spending their paycheck is, is it going to be good gear or is it not? Yeah. You know, and, and one thing that's always been difficult for me inside the hunting space the outdoor space is gear that is not that great that gets a lot of clout because of people that will use it and what that does for the guy who's you know going out and and you know instead of him make you know maybe he makes 35 45,000 a year and for him to go spend $2,000 on a whole new gear set 
That's yeah. a lot of money to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money to anybody, but you know what I'm saying? And and But they're making their decisions not based off of in-the-field experience themselves, based off of someone who's being um, a paid advertiser for, you know, the brand or yeah. or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And, and that's always been, like, really, um, I guess, difficult, you know? I'm a huge believer in you put your time and money and energy into the experience and mm-hmm. into the adventure, mm-hmm. you know? Um, now that I've been been in it for 15 years and where I say relatively successful for a long time, it's like you get a lot of questions of, well, what, what about this gear? What pack do you recommend or what boots do you recommend or whatever? And it's like, well, I have what I would recommend, but, you know, do you need it? You know, I mean, you're, the boots that you have are probably going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. The pack that you have is probably going to be just fine. Go out and kill an elk and pack it out and, and then decide if you want a new pack for the next time, you know. But don't go on your first Western big game hunt and drop, you know, five grand on new gear, which, you know, go ahead if you can, if you want, yeah. whatever. But it's like you don't have to, you know. So uh, never, I would never recommend putting yourself in a maxing out credit cards just so you can have cool awesome gear mm-hmm. when uh, in all likelihood you're going to go out and get your ass kicked anyway and not kill an elk <laughs> yeah. you know that's just the percentage of it my myself included i might go i'll go out and not kill an elk and yeah. yet i have the best gear that there is you know yeah it didn't help me kill an elk it doesn't so the mentality of being able to grind it out does of course i want everybody to be you know decked out top to bottom and all the brands that i represent and work with but you know what we we hit on an interesting point earlier is, is i work with the brands that i work with now and have done for a long time with very few exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the brands that didn't work for me personally, they're, they're, they're not on my website. You know, they're not partners with me. And the, what I have now is, is what I feel, what I wish I would could have had forever, you know, mm-hmm. since I started brands that believe in you, they have great quality products from top to bottom, you know, that, that anyone can afford up. I mean, big variation of, of, you know, I was not explaining it very well. You, like you look at Vortex, for example, they've got a $180 pair of binoculars and they've got an $1,800 pair of binoculars. Yeah. they got something for everyone. Yeah. And they're brands that really mesh well with my style of life and my style of hunting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's why I can confidently recommend them to anybody, even though everybody has their preferences. Right. You know, people are like, I'll never shoot a prime bow. That's the biggest hunk of crap I've ever shot. And yeah. Whatever. It's like, well, you well, know, what's funny too is, when it comes to bows, you know, and you're talking about a prime bow, I shoot a Matthews bow. And mm-hmm. um, when I have talked to people in the past about archery and about what they personally like as a human being, right? And that, and it's, and, and I can relate it a lot to pistols, Glocks, SIGs, 1911s. You know, everything is different. Everybody's hand structure is different. Everybody's form is a little bit different, you know. I mean, my, my form is built on a life a lifetime of bad habits, right? <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know, Guilty. Like, you know yeah. so I, I didn't have somebody working with me in a pro shop going over, you know, how to draw the bow back. What's the right, you know, what the whole, everything, you know, top to bottom. And the biggest thing that I always tell people is, you know, and and especially because I always send people to West Coast Archery, I always tell people West Coast Archery, go there if they're local in the Bay Area, California, which that's where I'm out of. Um, how important is it to find a bow that fits in their hand? You know, like for me, when I went through bows and I've shot Hoyts 
And I've gone in with a buddy, and he shot a Hoyt and absolutely loved it. And it was the best bow he ever had in his hand. And then he shot a Matthews and hated it. And I've shot a Hoyt, and I've never liked it. Mm-hmm. And I've shot a Matthews, and I've loved it. Yeah. You know, and, like, prior to that, I was shooting a Struthers or, you know, whatever other bows I was growing up shooting. But it's always <laughs> about what fits best for the person. You know what I mean? Yeah, bows are weird, too, because you could take... Say say Matthew. I I've shot Matthews before. I've killed some deer. My my uh, well, it's not my biggest deer, but I've killed a, a you know big big mule deer on film. That was one of the first mule deer I I got on film was with a Matthews bow. And like, you could take, you could take the same model, same draw length, same everything. Two bows uh, from the factory side by side. You could shoot them side by side, and you'd be like, I like this one better than this one, mm-hmm. just because. Just because of the differences of maybe the way the strings reacted or maybe the way the, the riser flexed. You know, we're talking about textiles here, and nothing is perfect. Nothing is yeah. ideal. You could build the perfect bow, but it's going to sell for about four grand, you know. Right. You could, you could, there are the alloys out there to build the perfect everything, but it's just not, it's not fat. It's, it's not, not practical. Yeah. yeah. So you could take the exact same one, and one's going to shoot, one's going to feel good, one's not. And that's just the nature of the way things are. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I have... God, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Like, I'm I'm notorious <laughs> for robbing cams and cables off of one bow or limbs off of one and putting them onto a riser of another. Bastardizing know? bows. I bastardize bows. I bastardize guns. Like everything, I bastardize packs. Gosh, I was telling you about the pack that I that I you made know, the roll top for. Sewed on a roll top, cut a hole in it, and sewed a zipper in it so I could have access in a certain spot that I wanted to have access to. I get it. I totally understand that because in the field and especially for someone like you, you know, what's going to work the best when you're developed, not developing a product, but when you have a product in your hand and you see a way that you can make it better to better suit your needs and it's by cutting a pocket into it. The hard hard thing too is is like it might fit my needs and what I want, but it might not fit the next guy's. So, so for a manufacturer to make a change based on my, a major change based on my recommendation, that's a serious deal. You know, that's and you're talking tons of money. Yeah, and so you know the brands that have that I've done that with, man, those those are the best relationships ever, right? Because you feel like you've got some vested interest in it. You got some some uh, you know some skin in the game, but ultimately it doesn't come down to the quality of your gear and you're talking and this is a guy that makes a substantial portion of his income marketing and promoting and selling gear it doesn't come down it's not the quality of the gear that's gonna gonna make you a successful hunter it might make you more comfortable it might make you more you know feel better we were talking about the katana pants that i didn't like and you loved them you Mm -hmm. know because why didn't i like them because it made me feel like i had grandpa butt yeah and they were saggy (laughs) They were, they're hardy as hell, you know, tough pant, but they just, I didn't like them because they didn't make me feel good, you know? Yeah. So it's people, we're just so, we're just weird. We're just weird people, you mm-hmm. know? Just go out and have the experience, enjoy it. And it's like, I was talking to a kid I was doing some mentoring with um, last week. And I try to, at least once or twice a week, I try to carve out an hour or two of my day, of my week to um you know reach out to someone that's reached out to me and say look i would love to just chat with you on the phone let's just let's just have a chat you know however i can help or discuss or whatever at least just get to know you and let's just something that i feel like i can give back a little bit and uh, so i'm talking to this kid and um 
the reality of it was, was is like, you need, you can't see the 15 years. Everybody looks at my Instagram page now, or they look at my YouTube channel now, or my Amazon. They look at what I have now. They don't see the 15 years that it took me to build that. And the 15 years prior to that of work experience and, and education behind that. They just want what I have. And, uh, and I told this kid, and he wasn't asking for that. He was very cool, cool guy. Um, he's trying to start a brand. And, um, uh, and I'm like, well, you've got to have the experience. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not going to get a sponsor or somebody to come on board and, and, and really latch onto what you're doing until you have that experience, you know? Um, and that's just kind of the way that it is. So, you, so my advice is, is go out and have those experiences and live your life because it's not a race and time is going to go by no matter what you do. Life's going to go by no matter what you do. You know, you're going to, before you know it, you're going to be in a hospital after having a stroke and you're going to be like, what did I do for the rest of my life or for that part of my life? Just go out and have those experiences and make things happen. You know, I'm not living, people say you're living the life. I'm not living the life. I built this life. I'm, I'm living the life I created. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, and the opportunities I took advantage of and the the luck that I stumbled across, you know, and the grace of uh, some people, you know, willing to open up their companies to me. And now, so, and I'm, I'm just out of my experience and me being able to relate to that so much because to get to where I've gotten today, I've built this life for myself and I had a full-time job prior mm-hmm. um, to fully devoting my life to the outdoor space that I was extremely lucky and fortunate that they gave me the ability to put all my extra effort and energy into creating a life in the outdoor space for five years mm-hmm. before I left that company and uh, was able to step full time into the outdoor space comfortably. Right. So it's you have all this experience. I had all this experience, warehouse management, you know, team management, product development, blah, 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 blah. And then I get to a point where, like, I've kind of reached my threshold and they were kind of like, all right, you know, I guess you should probably go on your own way. And I get to go on my own way. But having had split careers. Yeah. And one was making me nothing like what you were saying when you started out. You know, it was absolutely unpaid, making me nothing. Just grind, 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 grind. You know, that's the number one piece of never quit the day job. You know, I did it the wrong way. I did it. I didn't quit my day job. They kicked my ass out the door. Never quit your day job until until you're there. And there's guys that do. You know, there's guys right now that we you know that we discussed earlier that that quit their day job and jumped into it and may or may not be finding success. But everybody's situation is so different too. Mm -hmm. You never know who's a trust fund kid. You never know whose wife has a good job. You never know who worked their ass off for 15 years and, you know, had a substantial savings and then jumped into it. You just, you don't know anybody's situation and it doesn't matter because it's not yours. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you think they earned it or not. They're, they're, that's not up to you to judge or you to decide, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll, I, I, I call it my solo, solo blinders, you know? And <laughs> there's a couple of my friends that'll, they'll chuckle. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause they're like, you just got your blinders on, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, yes, I do. Cause I don't care, you know? And once you do start caring, that's when, that's when you go the wrong path. Well, and, and how much of it is, I, I like that solo blinders. How much of, of solo blinders is just 
staying in our own lane, doing what we want to do because that's what we love to do, and trying to just not let all this bullshit distract us and take us away from what we feel our purpose, drive, and direction is. Yeah, staying in your lane is a common catchphrase. It's a common phrase right now. A catchphrase is catchphrase the right way to say it? Because mm-hmm. it's not really catching anybody, but it's like you're staying in your lane. Um, it's a little different. Like you mentioned the solo or the solo space, the uh, outdoor space. Mm-hmm. How would you even define that? Right. You know, how do you define what what is the outdoor space? Yeah, I don't know. We, we were talking earlier, like, why? What? What do you do for a living, or how, what do you do? I don't know. You know, <laughs> how do you sum it up? You're not just a podcaster. Yeah, you're not just a chef. You're not just a this. You're yeah. not just a that. Yeah, and then there's very few people that are just one thing. Um, so the outdoor space is really, really hard to define unless you're within one of those categories. And I'm not. You're not. We're in like five, you know, or ten. Or whatever of those categories. And now, does that is that just because that's the entrepreneurial side of ourselves? Yeah, yeah, I think it's just the... looking for any facet to grind and work harder because we just want to punish ourselves that much more. It, my my friend Kendall would say would would say that I'm brilliant. He's like Tim, you just just it's just so smart <laughs> how you're doing things. You know, it's like gosh, that's so smart. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like no, it's random ass. It's because I can't folk. I can't focus on one thing. Yeah. You know, my wife had to slow me down. It was this morning. Gosh, it was this morning, and uh, I was just I was loading up the box of of shipping because since the COVID thing, we've been doing our own shipping, um, which has been a nightmare. <laughs> and and I had just come off of a, a two hour hike off the mountain with my neighbor and. Um, my daughter was wanting breakfast and I was trying to rush out of the house to get to you. And, and I was just laid out. My wife's like, stop, just stop. And so I stood there and I was like, and I looked at her and I'm like, babe, do I have too much going on? Like, do I need to just stop? I'm like, do how, how do I even do this? And so we had a, a good conversation and, and it, and it was good. It slowed me down, you know, and got a little of the anxiety out and just, but it's like that's just the personality that I am. Mm-hmm. I can't, uh, I can't just focus on one thing, you know. How is it having a rock like that? Y- you know, she's a rock, but she's also a mud pot, mud hole too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> she's a wife. Mm-hmm. She's she has a really good way of bringing me back into reality. Um, you know, which uh, she's she's suffered through a lot of really weird times with me. You know, in, in my experiences. But I would I would have to say that she is a rock. Um, she and I've mentioned it before, you know. And and to some people they say, well, you're just not committed, then, you know, or you're you're not uh, you're not you're not in you're not a true hunter. You're not true outdoorsman if if you would give it all up for your wife or for your kids. It's like you know what, I would. If 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 it just came down to you know her health or her. Or our relationship or whatever else i value that over my business and i value that over an elk hunt you know or a sheep hunt or anything else and not everybody can say that but i can and so that's that's been good for our relationship her just knowing that and knowing that i would give it up because i have before i mean i I don't know that i would ever admit it there's been times with solo hunter I, i remember vividly driving on a hunt and um driving to the hunt and and having an argument with my wife over the phone and i said babe you're right 
I'm coming home. I'm done. All solo, solo hunters over. And I turned around on the freeway and started heading back towards home. Two hours into the drive, I get a phone call from a buddy, you know, whatever. We talk and everything, and I not don't lead anything on. And then my wife calls in, and she's like, you need to turn the truck around. She's like, you just need to go on your hunt. She said, I'm sorry, I support you. She says, this solo hunter's your dream. She's like, and I really feel good about it. And, you know, and it was successful. Like, we're making a, we've been making a good living for a long time. And it, it wasn't that, it wasn't the stress of the business. It was the stress of, that it was putting on my family, you know. And she's like, just knowing that you would give it up like that, like in the middle of it, 10 hours from home, means so much to me. Thank you, you know. And that just turned things around. And I've never had that moment since. But, um, so yeah, she's, she's a good rock. She's a good rock for me, even though she's a mud slick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> She'll never listen to this, so I can throw her under the truck all, all day long, want. right? Yeah. No. I'm, She's a good woman. I mean, just to be able to hear that for a guy like myself who, you know, I predominantly live on the road right now, mm -hmm. <clears throat> six, seven, eight months a year, uh, you know, and I've always told myself if I found the right woman, I'd have more reason to be home, you know, or, or, or whatever it may be. And uh, just to be able to hear that, um, and not just from you, but from other guys as well, yeah. you know, how important the relationship is and, and how fortified it is to be successful in it, yeah. you know, is, is, well, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be your wife, you know, mm -hmm. it, it could be like, I like to golf, you know, I like to fish. I like the people like a lot of people have a lot of hobbies that they would, I think sometimes, uh, you know. Maybe maybe we put too much emphasis on one thing. It's like I just want to just want hunt sheep and like that's your life and that's all you want to do. That's great, but don't forget about the other things that bring you joy too. You know, and it doesn't have to be family and kids or whatever else. It could be other things. You know, that bring you joy in life. Because you got to have fun. You got to have good experiences. So right, and that's what it really comes down to is the experience. Yeah. You know, whether it's a hunting experience or a houseboating experience with a bunch of friends on the lake mm -hmm. or a family camping trip experience or going to San Francisco and going and catching a, you know, a symphony or, mm -hmm. you know, a different kind of experience. There's so many, you know, for me for a long time, and I'll throw myself under the bus on this, I was a season ticket holder to the uh, San Francisco Ballet. I'd go to five ballets a year. You just threw yourself under an 18-wheeler. Fucking there. A. Yeah. But I love... I love the ballet. Like the Nutcracker. Have you been to the Nutcracker? Have you taken no, your kids dude, to the Nutcracker? No, this is not my world, man. This is not my world. Have you never taken your kids to the Nutcracker? I think we did. I think we did. Watching, watching. I have some memories of that, possibly. Watching kids light up over the Nutcracker is one of the most remarkable experiences that you could ever have in your life. Yeah. Yeah, that probably, I, could see, I could see that. Right? Yeah. Right. There's nothing better than when you, you know, when you hear the words out of your kids, this is the best day of my life. You know, my kids say that about once a week or so, you know, which is that's which a good means life. You're, you're successful. As that's, a, as that's, a you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say once a week. They say it often. I hear it often. Well, not for my 16 year old, but my, my little girl, she's, she's always reminding me of how cool I am. How's that feel? 
You know, um, girl dad. What's it like being a girl dad? I always I like to girls. ask girl dads this. I have two girls and a son. Gracie's 13. Gosh, 13. Oh. Are you terrified or what? Man, you don't even know. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> Sophia's seven, almost eight. Um, I mean, I was terrified yeah. when my niece hit her teenage years. Yeah. And she's 25 or 26. Maybe she's 27. I don't know. She's older now. But when my niece turned 13, I was grateful that she was obsessed with Disney until she was 17. Oh, my girl. My Gracie. She's so beautiful. Gosh. And when, when she's on, she's her personality's spot on. Mm-hmm. Like, gosh, what a catch she's going to be. Um, that scares the holy hell out of me. It does. Vulnerable. She's, the good thing about it is she's strong as hell. She's super stubborn. And um, very, very independent. Like, I can I can see her smacking the hell out of some kid. So she got it from her dad. Mm, <laughs> mom's pretty tough. Mom's pretty <laughs> tough. Mom knows how to fight back. You know, I mean, she has to. She, I'm super well, sarcastic. Well, you're her husband. I'm, yeah, she has to fight back. <laughs> I'm the, I mean, I'm, I am what I am, but I'm, you know, she's got to deal with it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a slouch sometimes but gracie gosh yeah she's gonna have to use that uh, stubbornness and strength and strong will to her advantage and i hope that she does you know because girls these days gosh it'd be tough because it'd be tough to be a kid in general you know especially the last last couple months with this shutdown bs stuff or whatever it's like it's really affected kids lives and if a kid doesn't have some strength or stability or a good support system around a man they're they're in for a hard go so yeah I couldn't imagine what it would would be like to be a kid in this situation. You know, we've been pretty feral parenting. I'm a feral parent. I grew up as a feral child, pretty much. And so my my kids have had their fair share of hanging out and, you know, parties. And Mm -hmm. we've spent a ton of time out doing stuff. So, like, I essentially, gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. To me, there was no there was no shutdown. There was no quarantine. I get it. I don't give a rats. I kind of have been a little bit the same way. Um, but my wife's immune compromised, so I have to be careful on that end too. So it's like, eh. Mm-hmm. So weird. has there ever been any points in your career before, maybe even all the way up till now where, I mean, I know you said the one, one point with your family and your wife and you're kind of like, I'm done. I'm over it. No. And that, that wasn't even over. No, I wasn't even over anything major. It was just, I was done. Yeah. Was, has there ever been any points where you're just so mentally taxed and so worn out where you're just like i give up i'm gonna i'm done with this shit i can't even deal with it anymore but then i mean obviously you've always kept and continued to carry on and keep going clearly because you're still still doing it but have you ever hit any any walls and then it's almost like hitting a wall on a hunt where we're about to give up but then we don't yeah and sometimes i do I mean, you know, sometimes you give up and you go home and you regret it. You're like, damn, I should have just stayed. Should have stuck it out, you know, because now my friends are going to make fun of me for not notching my tag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but um, I think I think anybody in any industry or any business or any ownership, you know, could, could probably say the same thing. I can't speak for someone that is job oriented or has a job or a career. Uh, I just don't know because I don't have that experience. But as, as someone that's had to live on commission or their own their own labor and everything for their entire life like yeah you hit roadblocks like you hit walls you hit times when you're like 
what do I have to fall back on? What's what? What am I doing, and what can I do to fix this? You know, and we're we're men. We're fit. We fix stuff. We don't we don't deal with stuff. We just freaking fix it, right? Um, and we don't talk about it. It's just we just make it happen. And so there's been a lot of times where you, know, you look at this. You look at this. Um, what kind of led me into to all of a sudden selling bows, selling closeout bows, and and you know just old model bows. That was a problem that was presented and a discussion that was had, an adult discussion that was had. Uh, and a solution. A solution that was proposed, an agreement that was made. And now, after two months into it, I'm sitting here looking at it with a whole new vision and structure of my future business, you know? Not to change anything that I'm currently doing, but more to add on and diversify. And I, I've been all about diversification for the last several years because I've been... I've had a good living. I've had a. I've got a good career. I've got good time, you know, and flexibility, and I've been very, very blessed. And so I've. I also am very pragmatic and real, realistic, that I look at things and I say, this could, this might not be here tomorrow, you know. And, and COVID has proved that. This, this has proved it. There's a lot of guys in my position that are, you know, praying pretty hard. It's like. But um, so I diversified into a, a lot of different things. You know, I run a spring water vending company that I have that I that I helped my father-in-law build when my wife and I first got married, and now he's at the age of retirement, and I bought it, and I'm running a spring water vending company, and it's it's a cash company and it's doing really well. You know, and there's a lot of different little things that I'm that I'm doing all by myself, no employees, just doing my thing and keeping under the radar, and just evolving and I think that's what people need to people in that are like-minded like us do is you see something that, that comes along like you might look at something and say there's opportunity in that hey so let's just say I went and did this cook thing for you and then it works into a photography contract that works into a social media contract like you look for all those opportunities and then it involves into a relationship where you got new friends you know, and you just don't know where things are going to land. You just don't. And Every um, day is another day that's going to be way different than the last. Yeah. I mean, today, I'm on the phone on the way up here today. I had to pull over. That's why I was an hour late because I was on the phone for an hour having these, these conversations. And you know what? It's evolved into a, a current partnership has now evolved into a better partnership. Mm -hmm. And then it's tied into another partner. And so it's like you're just constantly wheeling and dealing. I guess. Yeah. And you, you take one 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 bump on the road and you turn it into a freaking ski slope, you know, yeah. whatever. Totally. That was a ramble, but hey, no, hey, you know, my mind was where it needed to be. I don't know if the mouth was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like talking to my mom last night on the phone. It's like, I know her mind's there, but her mouth just isn't quite getting it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean and and the reason why I ask is because I mean, obviously I'm I'm young and I'm new into the game. Um, you're obviously I young. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm young, actually. I'm 35, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm I'm somewhat young, but I'm to me, I'm not young anymore. Maybe if I was in my 20s, but I'm I'm new to the game or new to the table or whatever. Yeah. And and uh, for a lot of other people as well that just start out or are starting out or maybe you're a year into it, and how many times I know for myself have I have I hit a wall or thought that I'm I'm just I'm done man I'm just hitting that space and then for whatever reason deciding no 
I'm going to continue. I have this, you know, I'm having an internal hiccup. Yeah. Well, you can't continue because it's a wall. So you either have to go over it yeah. or around it. Yeah. You know, and either in either case, you got to figure out how that's going to be done. You know, are you just going to conquer it or are you going to just sidestep it and say, you know what, that the wall beat me. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go this path. I'm going to go this direction. And you just kind of have to. Well, these these younger kids or or even anybody getting into it, um, you 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 just can't look at it as I want a career in the hunting space. That's not a plan. That's not a that's not a path. Unless you decide to go work for an individual company itself. Yeah, that works. If you're if you're if you are better, and you guys know, like you know what kind of personality you are. You know if you're better equipped as, uh, you know. I hate to use the word employee, but you're better equipped at working with others or under others, or if you're better equipped leading, or if you're better equipped being a solo guy, you know, I think there's a lot of people fall in the solo category just because we don't want to be told what to do. Um, and we like our freedom. I mean, that's, 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 a li- that's what life is to me is freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, how much responsibility comes with that freedom? Oh gosh. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot, it's, you know, kind of if you're an employee or, you know, or, or, or in that type of a position, you don't have as much freedom, but you also don't have, you know, you don't have a lot of the responsibility and obligations on your shoulders either. You have, uh, and everything varies. I mean, nothing is broad stroke here. Everybody's situation is different. Every situation is different. But like, if you really want to be in the quote unquote hunting space or do something, Narrow it down and and pick something, pick a direction, pick a project and do it and just kick ass at it, you know, do it, connect with the right people. Um, A solo guy is not going to be successful starting out today. You're just not. Um, It's going to be damn tough. I'm only successful at it because it was, it wasn't what it is now then. It was TV. If you could be on TV there were advertisers, there were sponsors, there were people willing to pay for your airtime. There were people willing to pay for your content, which was TV content. It was easy. And there was so much, so fewer. They talked about there being 300 TV shows. But back then when I started, I was like, oh, there's 300 TV shows, it's too many. And then after five years, it was, there's 500 TV shows, there's too many. How many friggin' Instagram handles are there? How many <laughs> friggin' Instagram brands, you know, and all this now? How many of there are that are there now? Is it too many? No, no, it's not a competition. It's a it's a matter of, uh, you know, people living out their passion. But if you really want to do it, do it. But if you want to monetize it, you got to look at it a little bit differently. Because the days of the brands just writing people checks, there's there's a there's a small handful of those people that are in that position. Mm-hmm. And they're there because they got they've spent twenty years getting there. I don't think you'll ever see anybody starting now that this a brand is going to say we're going to pay you X number of dollars now. And maybe in twenty years it'll happen. Could things might change in twenty years? But in twenty years, I think that the landscape is going to be immensely different than it is from what it was in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have the Facebook following I have. I wouldn't have the Instagram following I had if I didn't have the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the way that it is. I I got lucky with the timing of it all, and it's because that's my age bracket. That's when I started. Yeah. So if it was lucky, I'll take it. Well, that's like you when know. I talked to John Stallone as well. Yeah, I know John really, John fairly well. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, and that's that's also what he says, you know, the the TV show, yeah, coming out of that, yep, and, and that's that's that was the platform of choice, and if you could if you could make it through that hurdle, then you had it, and then it all of a sudden it morphed into social media, or you know, and then the digital, and I was fortunate, I still I still lay claim that I was the first hunting YouTube channel. And I'd have to look at that. 2007, January 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I would, if somebody has an older YouTube ch- hunting YouTube channel than that, <laughs> I'd like to know. Um, there are other channels that are way bigger than mine that were coming to me saying, how did you start a YouTube channel? You know, and then they crushed it. They did well. Because I had to go the TV route. So there was contractual limitations and all kinds of stuff that I couldn't really focus on a YouTube channel. But I saw the vision that YouTube was going to be successful. And it is. It's still growing like crazy. And it's still a massive direction, you know, where to put content. But, mm-hmm. um, Even with its limitations that it's that it's implementing itself on hunting yeah. and on guns and stuff like that. Yeah, again, when you look at it, what are you in it for? Are you, are you, are you trying to create a YouTube channel or grow your YouTube channel because you want to live off of YouTube ad revenue? If, the, if that's the case, go do stupid shit, you know? Don't do hunting on there. You're never going <laughs> to... You know, you're not going to make a fat living <laughs> off of your hunting space. And if you are, I better not say it. If you are, you probably connected off of somebody that was already successful doing slapstick, stupid stuff, you know, and networks right and, and grew, whatever. Yeah. But it's, so it's just different. Like, you got to look at it and say, why am I doing this? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and, and, you know, like what you were saying you know for me it's there's so many different things that i'm throwing myself into it's not just a podcast platform yeah you know and and you have your favorites though you know like is podcast your favorite platform favorite thing to do or um no yeah i would 100% i would 100% say that if i could do a deer leg, cook a deer leg every once a week, every week, every it. year, and just go to different events and cook at different events. I would, I would do that and uh, and walk away from podcasting in a heartbeat. Because yeah. I mean, for me, that's that just goes so far and it's so deeply rooted in my family history. I just can't. Yeah. You know, it's it's just it is what it is. Do you think you could focus on one thing? No, one avenue. Uh-uh. I mean, if well, I so, so then, what makes you think you'd be you'd be happy? After? I would, I would, I would be happy, but you'd still have to dabble. I would still be doing a million other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Does that make sense? I think you'd still dabble. I'd, I think you'd still dabble. It depends on the experience and the situation I was in. Yeah, yeah. Right. Some, yeah. And and for me, like, so this podcast started out as, as a hunting tips and tactics or uh, whatever kind of stuff. And it's grown. Did it not have a longer name to begin with? It did. It was Legion uh, OST. It was Legion Outdoors Survival and Tactical. Do you remember me telling you at Mountain Academy three years ago that if I were you, I would shorten that? that up? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Do you? Yeah, of course I do. Um, so... We'll go into a little history of of the Legion. So my former business partner, Anthony, um, who is now, uh, he works for Benchmade Knife Company. Okay. He had to leave the podcast for conflict of interest. Um, Do they have a podcast? They do not. 
Um, other other reasons. I got you. Okay. Um, so somebody was more hung than the other guy. That's the conflict of interest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I never even asked him what the what the real I'm deal was. I'm just kidding. There's always something. Uh, so Anthony started Legion Outdoor Survival and Tactical with a couple of others of his buddies from Southern California, and basically it was a, a group of guys. They liked to shoot AR-15s. They liked to hold on mosquito repellent. Oh, sorry. They liked to shoot AR-15s. They liked to shoot handguns. They liked to uh, go backpacking and on backpacking adventures. Oh, sorry. oh no, go ahead. I didn't want to oh, no, that's fine. You ain't going to hurt it, man. That's already got so much in it. Yeah. We're talking about mosquito spray. Yeah, sorry, um, mosquitoes are hammering my side of my head. Dude, they're hammering everything. And so that was their kind of thing. Um, I came into the situation when I got brought on, it was Anthony and Ray. Uh, Ray is an amazing guy. He actually is out of Las Vegas. Uh, totally wonderful human being. I love that guy. Um, and Ray ended up kind of having to walk away. He's just busy doing his other stuff in Las Vegas and his own life stuff. Um, Anthony started the podcast and I was kind of facilitating a lot of the back end of it and working with him and he brought me on as a business partner and then um slowly it shifted from uh and i'll throw him under the bus once he got married slowly it shifted from him doing the podcasts and me getting the people and lining up the interviews to me doing more of the interviews and then i was doing all the interviews and he was doing back end stuff and then inevitably he had to walk away um which Anthony's great. I mean, I just talked to him like three days ago. We still, you know, talk all the time about whatever hunts and all the different kinds of stuff going on in their lives. Um, we're still personally friends. Um, but when Anthony walked away, I didn't feel outdoor survival and tactical was necessarily um, my Your bag. gig, yeah. You know what I mean? And... And I was fine. It was his business, and he brought me in, and I was fine with that. And when he walked away, I didn't feel right using his development. Mm-hmm. I mean, still the Legion, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't too into And he threw out suggestions to me of other names and, and, and other ideas as well. I mean, I consulted with him about mm-hmm. it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up choosing Legion DIY um, because a lot, and we talked about this a a little bit earlier and not in the podcast just in conversation um doing it myself doing getting to where i've gotten in my life you know essentially myself i mean obviously there's acquaintances and friendships and you know people elevating each other and 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 helping each other along the way um but for me a lot of it is doing it myself whether it be hunting and the outdoors and you know, doing that stuff myself. Um, obviously, I'm not a full DIY hunter because I'll go hunt with buddies. Yeah, or, same. You know, I'll go, I'll go, you know, I'll go guide hunts and there'll be nine or ten of us on the entire hunt. You know, that's not a DIY hunt. Mm-hmm. Being a guide is absolutely not doing a DIY hunt, you know, in any shape of the form. Um, however, getting to the point in my life where I am, where I'm doing podcasts, I'm doing cooking, I'm doing guiding, um, I'm doing photography, I'm doing videography, 
you know, all of the different aspects of my life. I've kind of just built it myself and I've gotten here myself. Um, you know, and again, obviously there's always people that have helped and elevated mm-hmm. me along the way and mm-hmm. we've all elevated each other and helped each other bubble up and, but no one's going to do the back end like you are. Yeah. You know? Right. Know? It's it, the back end's the most important. Part. And how much do you know about having to do a lot of the back end stuff? I have a little experience with it. Just yeah. a little bit, you yeah. know, yeah. 2000 and four maybe yeah so legion diy i mean it fits yeah like it really does yeah yeah and uh you know and and uh, when it comes to social media it's like really difficult for me i i try i i don't and people give me shit for it because i don't promote the podcast on you know what i would consider my personal instagram like sure it's it's in my bio but it i don't I'm not on there every time I post a podcast. I posted a new, you know, go check out the podcast. I leave that for the business account. And when it comes to the business account, I have a real difficult time trying to figure out content I want to use on it and what I want to do with it. And uh, Instagram has extremely muted it. Um, Muted it. So it's it's gone from being able to reach a lot of accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think primarily because of g- there's a lot of guns and imagery and there's mm-hmm. a lot of hunting mm-hmm. um, to really suppressing the account. So the amount of accounts that it reaches is, is yeah. way dialed back from <laughs> what it used to be. Um, and yeah. that's like frustrating in itself, not because I'm in it for the likes, but if I'm trying to grow a business and market a business, mm-hmm on a platform that is not allowing me because they disagree with my ideology and Mm -hmm. you know, my stuff. Every time I see an update for Instagram come across on my phone, I'm like, Ooh, is this going to be another one of those that buries me for two months, you know, or two weeks or whatever it is. Right. It's it's without fail. If there's, there's something happens, it's just like, and how crazy, I mean, how crazy is it for me when a friend, all of a sudden a, a friend will go through one of the accounts and like 50 photos and then they'll message me after it and they'll be like, your account hasn't shown up in my feed for six months. No. Yeah. And it, that's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's the dumbest thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bait and hooks thing. It's like, Hey, which it's free. So, you know, we don't have a lot to piss and moan about, but mm-hmm. the, the Instagram thing I had to laugh about two months ago. Yeah. It's been about, no, it was before the COVID thing. My Instagram, I mean, it's humming along, growing like crazy, like it's active and everything. And all of a sudden, you can see it in the, I, I took some screenshots. You can see the in the uh, insights, the needle just drops. I mean, it's it's not a slow gradual. It's just like down, mm-hmm. negative growth. And I'm like, hmm, I guess, they're, uh, I guess they're fishing out all of the fake accounts from China, you know, is what's going on here or something. something. So I was like, ah, oh, no big deal goes on for a week and then two weeks i'm like i'm not changing anything that i did three weeks and i was like man this sucks i'm about to drop a, you know drop a thousand followers in three weeks time like what the hell and it got to in fact i'll just throw out the numbers because my my follower count is 112,000 some odd whatever now Mm -hmm. well i was like 112,900 and something about to breach over into 113,000 and that's when it happened, and I got down to 12,001. And then the needle goes straight up. Straight up, back into the positive, back into positive territory about uh, about a week ago. 
and hmm. I'm about to cross 13,000 or 113,000. It's like, yeah. it's like, I don't get it. I don't know who's behind <laughs> it. What little midgets back there do pushing buttons. Oompa I don't know. Shit. It's like, just leave it alone. Just let me post pictures and let, let people like it. You yeah. know, let me like pictures that other people, it's like, just freaking leave it alone. But they don't. Never you know. do. It's a, it's a funny game. I, yeah. Well, what, what's crazy to me about the Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube and all that stuff, Google, they control what everybody sees. They are the media marketing engine. They're not, it's not Fox News. It's not MSNBC anymore. It's not, you know, uh, national network television. It is all Isn't companies it? that are owned by predominantly liberal people. And they are only expressing liberal, not only, but predominantly expressing uh, liberal anti-hunting kind of stuff as the, this is what we want. We don't want to see this. We're going to weed this stuff out. We're going to limit it. We're going to not let this gain any ground or any exposure. And we're going to push all this back. It's 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 sad to me to see that someone that has subscribed to a platform, you know, if I if I follow somebody on Instagram, and I want to see their content, I've admit I've committed that I by clicking the button that I want to see their content, that I can't see it. Mm -hmm. It's like doesn't make sense. It's yeah, maybe it's because the algorithms aren't that smart, or maybe it's because they are. Well, I mean, how often does how often does Instagram show up in your feed and say, "Well, give us ten dollars and we'll boost this post for you." I don't know. Give us. Do, do they do that? Oh yeah. Huh. That the. Uh, I get that on Facebook. I haven't seen that. I'm not on there enough to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those. And that's why that's a whole nother thing yeah. that's just made me not want to do it anymore. Yeah. I used to really enjoy. I used to really enjoy it. And then. Um, I don't know what changed. I don't know. Life. <laughs> no, just the reality, that, you know, because gosh, it, I mean, it works. Like when I'm active on it. The sales sales increase, you know, interaction increases. Um, stuff just happens, you know. It's just because you got more eyeballs on it. When you're not active on it, I think I think the, these platforms have now evolved and have built that if if the provider, if the content provider is not being active, then they assume, or they're they're gonna they're gonna penalize you for that. And I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't think penalizing is the right word for it. They're gonna kind of shut that page down because the the it's all based on it's all based on data. So it's like, oh, this page isn't as active. This place doesn't get as many imp impressions or whatever. So we're not going to clog up our bandwidth by showing those photos. We're going to put our, put, you know, the, the this other computers stuff. designed to show the ones that are most, you know, it's like what's trending on Netflix. Well, it's because it's not human beings back there saying, oh, this show's trending. This is cool. It's a software program that says this, this show's being viewed more than this one, whatever. Just like the analytics on the back end of your website. I can mm -hmm. see which products are being seen the most. Which ones are converting into sales the most? Blah 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 blah. blah. The, the software makes suggestions of what changes I need to make to the listing. I mean, there's a whole like thing behind it. So when people call up and bitch and moan about Instagram's filtering my content, it's like, yes, it is, but it's not a human being. In all like it's all algorithm. And except when it isn't, except when it is a human being, <laughs> like we're experiencing now with Twitter and with Trump and all that's going on there now too. Uh, you know, when there's a human being that. When I go to run a Facebook ad and it gets denied 
and then I turn around and resubmit it within seconds, and it's another person in India that sees it, a different person in India that sees it and approves it. It's like, okay, that's a human being, mm-hmm. you know. It's like it's not a computer. It's a human being that made that decision of whether or not somebody needed to see my blood and guts photo. Right. That was a rant. Gosh, I rant often. Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's just a sign that I'm in a good mood or a really bad mood. Or maybe you're relaxed. I'm very relaxed. It's hard <laughs> not to be out here. No. It's been an enjoyable conversation, you know, and we could probably talk talk forever and I'm more than willing to. Yeah. You know, listen, but So you switched you used to use QU a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. kind of switched for a yeah. little while there and and now you've gone back using Kuyu. Yep. I switched for sponsor purposes away, mm-hmm. you know, because all of a sudden, <coughs> all of a sudden, hey, Tim, your videos are cool, you know? Um, how would you like to be paid for that, you know? Things change. When you, when you jump, when you, when you, um, some people say sell out, whatever, when you take a monetization route and become paid for your content when sponsored. And you have three kids and a wife to provide for. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I'll never apologize for that. Mm-hmm. You make decisions based on what's putting food in your freezer or put food on the table. Yeah. And so, you know, Under Armour came to me and said, we'd like to work with you and Remy, of course. And so we did, you know. It was a great eight-year eight relationship. Uh, you know, things change, people leave, whatever, stuff happens. And I no longer had contractual obligations to what clothing I wore. So, you know, what am I going to gravitate to? I'm going to gravitate to what I enjoy and what I like, you know. And and I had known Jason from the time that he first started it. Uh, in fact, I remember a meeting at, and I say a meeting, we sat down at the Sheep Show at a round table with me and Dustin, me and Remy and Dustin, uh, gosh, Robin, who introduced us to Jason. Dustin lived in Dixon. And uh, Jason pulled out some photos and showed us some pictures of what he was working on and different things. Hadn't even started the blog yet, I don't think. You know, just getting ready to start. He had the bias camo pattern. And I was like, that looks like a Holstein cow. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, asshole, whatever. <laughs> you know, and so uh, it was, I was also being the being the business mind and just by the brain the mentality that I have, I was really intrigued by how he was starting it and how he was branching off and revolutionizing an industry yeah yeah gosh i don't know that i'd use that um he changed the industry for sure Mm -hmm. for sure that model changed the industry yeah yeah sure sure other industries were doing it and you know no question but like how it was being done differently and the blogs were just becoming popular and i wanted to start a blog so like i was into it and so i just really liked the kuyu ran and the clothing was great like the quality of it and you know sitka had some good stuff i had worn some sitka clothing they were really kind of the first to come into the hunting space with uh, performance clothing type stuff. And mm-hmm. gosh, this was a long time ago. So you're going from the homemade wool sweatshirt that I made to, to something like that. You're like, this is pretty dang good, yeah. you know? And uh, anyway, I just liked, liked it. So yeah, I gravitated back to that once I didn't have any any other reasons to not wear it. I'm going to wear it again, you know, and I've been friends with Brendan for years and I've, I've now met, you know, Justin Schaefer and a few of the other guys down there. And it's like, yeah, it works. You know, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. And it's, it's weird, which we talked about and you've experienced, like when it comes to brands and people and 
what they like and what they don't like, man, it gets really weird. <laughs> it gets high school girlish, you know. Sticky situations. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And in fact, I even fell into it. I was telling you why I would never wear a certain clothing brand because I didn't like the others that were, mm-hmm. you know, that they worked with and stuff. I was like, gosh, that's petty. So I slapped myself on the wrist for that. That was petty. <laughs> it's true still, but it's petty. Yeah. It is what it is, right? But in my opinion, you know, there's nothing nothing like a pair of attack pants and this wool hooded hoodie. What I don't even know what the heck they call this one. Uh, that is a 145 Merino. Merino. I mean, hooded shirt. I was wearing that at the lake the other day on the boat because I, I refused to wear sunscreen. So I put that hood on and fluff up the and collar. You, and and you can stay cool in it uh, I on a hot day. 90 degrees on the on the beach. You yeah. Know? And I'm wearing that exact thing that you got brown just that you're wearing there. Yeah. And there's other clothing brands that have the same stuff, you know, similar stuff that's good too. It's just, you know, I, I think we were talking about what's we're visual people. We like what we like because it looks sexy. Like, I like the color palette. Mm-hmm. The color palette to me of of Kuyu's clothing, spot on, mm-hmm. spot on. I was never big uh, a big Verde guy. Yeah. Or Verde 2.0 Vias 100%. I. That's all I got is Vias. I have one Verde. Mm-hmm. Article. Yeah, I've 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 one outfit that I use for spring turkey, just because it's so green out, and and wow. I think blending into your background with turkey actually is extremely. Yeah, and and not to important. turn this into a a brand advertisement. What do you think of the new Velo? I love it for Man. desert for desert hunting. Gosh, I think for any like. Uh, it, I didn't like it at first. And, and, you know, and it's different. Like, it's not going to be. But I look at things for, is it is it going to work? And even in this environment right here, you know, camo, camo, you have your philosophies about it or not, whether you need it or not. And I told you about a, a you know, a hunting season that I went where I wore all solids, you know, mm-hmm. blacks and browns and greens. Still killed plenty of animals even with a bow and everything. In fact, some of my best elk footage was when I snuck in on a, in between a whole herd of elk. You know, by myself wearing a pair of black pants and a gray <laughs> a gray golf hoodie or really? golf uh, zip up, you know, quarter zip, quarter zip deal, and killed an elk. And I was like, you know, is, is camo necessary? No, but it helps. It helps in it helps in the right situations. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this pattern's it's, I've it's used legit. It, I've used it in the Southern California desert. Have you? Um, and the Clark Kingstons, and uh, absolutely one hundred percent all the way blends it was phenomenal camo for our backdrop that we were in down there and i used it the week that it dropped um in a pig camp and that's california a zone rolling grass hills that are brown and oak trees and uh not only was i extremely impressed but there was only me and one other person who wore Kuyu. Everybody else um, was under different brands. And everybody was equally impressed at how well I disappeared into the brown grass. Well, and, and I want to disappear from other humans more than, almost as much, if not more so, than I want to disappear from the animals. Mm-hmm. In really I get it. Being truthful. So I get this, it. this, the color palettes and the pattern, like it, I don't know what the animal sees, but the human eye, hey, it's, it works. It's. You're going to disappear for sure. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't say that with Vias. You know, if you're standing out here in Vias, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, yeah, you'll find me in a heartbeat. But if you're wearing this. I could disappear yeah. back there. 
You could. You could. Yeah. But I I don't know. I like it. What's your plans for 2020? Mm. You got a you got a brown bear hunt coming up. Grizzly. Grizzly. Mount, mountain oh, gri- grizzly. Yeah, yeah, up in sheep country. It's I think honestly, I think my buddy invited me up cuz he he just now got approved I think to hunt to guide uh, outfit grizzly hunts and he doesn't doesn't have any clients doesn't have any marketing same thing with the sheep i was his first client and now he's booked through 222 i think he said or whatever like it's been really good for his business we're gonna do the same thing you know it's hey tim let's come out let's uh you know here's here's what here's what the, what it's gonna take which was essentially a pair of binoculars <laughs> you know and uh he'll get more than that i'm sure but we'll go out and we'll hike through sheep country and Look for sheep for his sheep clients, and we'll hopefully find a grizzly bear along the way and come home with a big fat rug. Hopefully, you know, I don't think those I don't those mountain grizzlies aren't as big as what I think people think they are, you know. So, if you can get a seven foot mountain grizzly, you're doing pretty dang good, yeah, from what I've been told. Seven, eight footer is that big. Are you excited for it? Yeah, I'm scared crapless because I'm fat and out of shape. We're talking about it earlier, it's like. Going to going to get in go get a, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. fuck going to get on a hunt to get in shape. Yeah, I mean that's that's just it. This is the type of hunt that once you leave the truck, it's it's in it's in the same country as sheep. Like you leave the truck, you're in it. You're in it, man. You, you're only going to cover as much country as you as you physically can handle that day, and you're in it. Once you're 20 miles back there, it's like yeah, now I'm now I'm good. <laughs> Now it's serious. Yep, it's real now. And then what else do you have going on? So that's that's here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I drew an uh, archery deer tag for Nevada in August, which I've been stocking points for the last three, four years with my brother in Montana. And so we put in as a group, so we both have that tag. And then, in fact, my son drew the youth tag for that area. So the youth tag, they can hunt all three seasons mm-hmm. for the same area. So that's going to be a blast. That starts August 10th. Um, after that, may slip or no, what am I going to do? Then elk in Idaho starts right after that. There's Kendall card who I'm hunting mountain goats with in Alaska in September. He drew a mountain goat tag in Utah this year too. He just drew it. So, and they're looking for somebody to go film his hunt. So I may slip down there and film his hunt in between those two. But again, I don't want to be away from home too much. So. So that elk, and then uh, nothing in October yet, and then November is usually a little bit of whitetail, a little bit of late archery mule deer, and roll in to see what else happens. Yeah. Of course, there's still a couple draws left left to come out. You know, California, Idaho, Wyoming, a few places yet to see if I drew a tag. Yeah, man, I hope I draw my what? last tag. I'm holding out for, but what do you got lined out? Uh, for next year? No, this is this year. Well, I guess, year. yeah, for for this year. Um, the only thing I got right now is uh, I drew Utah. Um, it'll be my, my fourth year in a row going back to Utah. Nice. Um, I hope to go four for four. Uh, I've only hunted general. I've hunted three different general units out there. Um, I'm 0 for 2 in Utah. Are you? Yeah. You want to go? By choice. I could have killed some bucks, but not what I want fucking goddamn mosquitoes <laughs> they all of a sudden came they're bad man mm-hmm. um Those people over there stirred them up yeah i think so my first year i killed a a solid 
four by four with eye guards, uh, 310 yards, blasted in the chest. Uh, my second year. It's a hell of a bow. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my second year, I uh, shot a really nice 27-inch four by four. Um, the first buck I shot out there was the biggest buck I ever shot in my life. Mm. Second buck I shot out there was the biggest buck I ever shot in my life. These are rifle hunts you've done? Rifle, yeah. Really? Yeah. I never even put in for rifle out there. I put in for archery. Yeah, so. and then last year I went back out um, and we got blasted with that snowstorm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I got into camp and it was maybe 15 degrees out. Um woke up the next morning and i want to say there's a foot or a foot and a half of snow and it snowed for the first three or four days of the season or something like that if i remember it correctly anyways i i got way back and found this beautiful buck um first good buck i'd seen the whole trip two days in and my only shot was 511 yards i have a terrible crosswind and uh i like to think of myself as a decent shot uh, waited for the buck to bed down, bedded down. I had a perfect stable rest. I waited for the wind gust to be as low as I could and uh, tapped that trigger and I missed him. I mean, I, I saw how much I missed him by and the buck stood up and faced straight at me. Mm. Um, and I'm shooting across a valley. And uh, so I make my adjustment and go to take my second shot and i watched the bullet sail oh god i missed because it was a straight on shot if it would have been broadside i would have smoked him um so you know my target's 12 inch or you know 14 inch why didn't you just wait for him to turn uh probably because i got really really impatient yeah yeah you know, guilty, and nervous. Guilty as charged. Uh, it was a heavily wooded area, and it's as soon as he was going to be out of that mm-hmm. window, I wasn't going to see him. And uh, I, po- I squeezed that second shot and missed him by, I mean, it must have been a half an inch or maybe an inch. Anyways, Buck ran off. Four days later, I'm back in the general same area. I found a real nice 22 or 23-inch, 3 by 3 just candlesticks, you know, and... Yeah. And smoked him at 410 yards. There's no wind that day. I drilled him in the neck, no problem. And were you aiming at the neck? I was. Oh, wow. I was actually. Okay. So <laughs> I saw I saw that buck, and I was 508, and uh, I was really not thrilled after my performance mm. a couple of days prior. It's like I need to get closer. So I watched the buck, and I worked my way down into the valley as low as I could get and it was 410 or whatever and instead of shooting down I was now shooting up and uh, there was this big dead tree and this branch came out and went across his vitals so I had his neck or I had his ass I couldn't I could only see his tips that was what that was what I had to work with and I laid there for a bit and uh he wasn't getting up and he wasn't moving and again i got impatient and i was like you know i got i got a foot and a half window to shoot through and hit him in the neck this is going to be cake Dump. dumped him he didn't even move an inch you know when i when i found him his nose literally was in mm. six inches of snow mm. just 
Just Perfect. left. Just went to sleep. Just went to sleep. Good night. And then I left there and drove up to Montana and killed a nice 26 or 27-inch 4x5 and shot that buck and 350 yards in the neck as well. And nice. It was a fun, yeah. That was a great year. It was good back-to-back, you know, yeah. except for that one that I missed. And you drew Utah again this year. Drew Utah again this Same year. Same areas, different areas. Different area than last year. Um, I'm really enjoying going to different areas. Uh, uh, more so for the sense of the task of getting it done, um, and not getting it done on just a legal buck. Getting it done on a on a good deer. On a good deer. Um, a deer that I would consider, a, you know, something I like. Uh, and it really kind of adds a whole new level you know i'm i'm every year i'm going to a new area i'm learning a new area i'm trying to understand it the best that i can i'm finding the best buck that i possibly can and then sealing the deal on it um you know and i'm i'm really enjoying that you know i didn't get montana they just opened up their alternate list so i applied for the alternate list hopefully i get on it um i'll do a really funny side story from when we were at the uh Kuyu Conservation Direct. We were having dinner one night, and I was talking with uh, a fella. I think it was, was talking with Mike Winchell about my tattoos. He's asking me about my tattoos. I'm covered in tattoos, and I have never settled tattooed on my on my collarbone. And we had just finished up talking about my Montana deer hunt, and then you know I. I and went all the way until day nine, and then on day nine, I ended up shooting a cow because I never, I'd passed plenty of bulls, but had never seen the caliber of bull that I was looking for in Montana. And uh, so I shot a cow on morning of day nine and, you know, called it a day. Um, so we're all sitting at the table talking about never settle, and Brendan's all, wait a minute, you mean to tell me you have never settled tattooed on your chest, and you settled for a cow on day nine? I can hear him saying that. No. <laughs> it was so amazing. It was, I mean, like, I think the entire restaurant roared out in laughter. Yeah. It was fun, man. It was fun. I really. Yeah, I remember him saying, uh, well, you know, this is secondhand story. Actually, never mind, never mind. Yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't even knock. I wouldn't even knock an arrow on those bulls, which, <laughs> which is probably true. Yeah, it's probably true. I mean, you know, when you have that, you know, yeah, many four hundred inch bulls, I think that yeah. you could say that. Yeah, um, he can talk shit all he wants, but you know what? He can back it up. Yeah, <laughs> one of the few that can back it up, right? Seriously, but uh, yeah, that was. That's cool. I, I, hate, a, I hate Montana. It's perfect mic drop moment. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> you deserved it, too. I totally deserved it, yeah. man. <laughs> so. Well, man, I uh, I probably ought to be getting headed back yeah. here pretty quick. Besides hey. that, my bladder is getting full again. Yeah, man. Yeah. I appreciate the time, dude. Yeah. Thank thanks. you so much for coming up here. Thanks for putting it together and, again, sticking sticking with me and twisting my arm and making sure it happens. Yeah. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Follow through. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. So. I'll be seeing you soon. What's coming up? Yeah. I don't know, but we'll I make it happen. Are they gonna Are they gonna do any Mountain Academy or any events this spring at all? Nothing. Not that I know, of. know. I haven't heard. Yeah, I think because of coronavirus, everything's done till next spring. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hopefully, nothing else major comes along. But you know what? 
I'm uh, predicting it. I think something will. I think we're fucked in the fall. Yeah, something's going to happen. Yeah. Mass shooting is what's going to happen. Probably. Something bad. Something crazy. All right, man. All right, cool. Yep, see ya. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.